This is the West Coast Project podcast for Better Call Saul, episode two. My name is Mike, and I'm here with Kelly. Hi, Kelly. Hello. How did you like Miho? I liked Miho a lot. And before we get started, I want to wish a very big happy birthday to Vince Gilligan. Today is February 10th, and he was born in 1967 in Richmond, Virginia. All right. What did you do at his party? Oh, you know, we we hung out and and had drinks. Cool. (laughs) Yeah, so the creator, we've known him for uh, X-Files and Breaking Bad and Better Call Saul. Uh, So big shout out to him for his birthday. My impression so far, Kelly, after watching two of these is that this is a pretty slow start, but that they are getting away with it because of their... Their uh, pedigree with Breaking Bad. Like, we trust the writers. I would agree with you on that, definitely. And I think people are still hot on the trail of just being off Breaking Bad. That, Like you said, they're looking for little uh, similarities between the two shows. And people are kind of caught up with that. But it'll get going on its own. How does it feel to not being able, not being able to binge these? Horrible. Yeah, this is how I watched the whole Breaking Bad. Well, trying to post things on on my Breaking Bad fun fact, well, actually my Better Call Saul fun facts pages, I don't have access to all the um, pictures and stuff. There's not as much stuff available online either. Yeah, I wonder if it's going to affect how you uh, how because because it's interesting. You were able to watch Breaking Bad that way, and I and I watched it like the week by week way. With years in between, you know, with months in between the years, the seasons. Mm-hmm. It'll be interesting to see how, what you think of this, because you're forced to watch it this way, too. <laughs> right. We can suffer together on this one. I don't have the spoils of Netflix. Well, this one starts out with cooking again. Tuco is cooking. We've seen him cook before. He actually looks like he's a decent cook. He does, right. And he was cooking for uh, Tio last time, and now he's cooking for his grandma. Yeah, Tio, Waltz, and Jesse, too. He fed them all. He didn't, even though they were hostages, they didn't go unfed. Right. That looked really good, too, what he was making. So we're going to see the results of uh, what the scam, these guys that go into the house, what what happened. The the scam boy twins show up, and they're insulting Grandma up and down. Not the wisest move here in front of Tuco. Right. You don't call Grandma Biznatch. For Biznatch. Sure. Tuco takes control right away, though, and kind of sends Grandma off up to her room and tells her to turn up the TV. That was not a good sign, Kelly. No, and I thought these twins, I guess they don't know who Tuco is, but even if I didn't know who he was, he just doesn't look like the person you want to mess with, and he doesn't have that air of uh, these two kind of nerdy kids trying to tell him what's up. And they're pretty stupid. They're pretty reckless. They, tri- mm-hmm. they trigger all the bad... They, they, Drop all the bad words to trigger Tuco into this rage, right? Like cops, uh, insulting grandma, and he doesn't put up with any of it. He, he, it's funny how he smashes him with grandma's cane. I love that. Because, you know, he's super protective of, of uh, Tio and Breaking Bad. I'm sure he feels the same way about his grandma. So you can't be talking smack to grandma and scaring her and demanding money out of her, no matter... If Tuco was a serial psycho or not. He's a good guy to have in your family if you need a fighter, but I wouldn't want to be on the other team if he was playing against me. 
No way. I might not want him on my team, too, come to think of it. Uh, but that was it. That was the opening scene. Then the opening credits came on. And um, we come back, and Grandma's watching TV just like Tio. It seemed like Tio loved to watch TV. I know he was kind of stuck not having much else he could do, but he was always watching TV. Right. Um, Tio's alive somewhere in this universe. We can't forget that. He's still out there. Yeah, he's busy running the cartel somewhere. Yeah, so, Kelly, do you think anybody's watching the show that did not watch Breaking Bad? Uh, probably a couple of Breaking Badders that said, hey, you gotta watch this show, uh, but it won't make as much sense, the little inside things that we will know, obviously. All right, I was gonna drop some spoilers on Breaking Bad from people. They'd be spoilers only if you hadn't seen Breaking Bad, but I'll refrain. I won't do it. So we see Grandma watching TV, but we hear the thumps and thuds coming from downstairs. And uh, just hearing that was worse than seeing it, probably, because you knew those guys were just getting the shit beat out of them. And uh, we see Tuco cleaning the carpet, but not cleaning it very well. He's not really getting that blood stain out. Right. Well, it's salsa, you know. Or at least that's what he tells Grandma. Oh, that's right. I forgot. <laughs> thought it might be blood, but you're right. <laughs> Miho takes care of everything. He tells Grandma she keeps trying to come down and and clean her house, but Tuco takes care of everything. And uh, he calls up Nodos and Nacho, and who's the other guy? Who's Nodos? Gonzo. Gonzo. I guess he's calling Gonzo and Nodos, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and then Saul shows up, kind of seamlessly integrating the other parts of the first episode. Gets a big-ass gun pulled on him. He gets pulled into the house. Some people online in the forums are arguing about this gun, calling it the Judge, ma- manufactured by a company called Taurus, the Judge. Then somebody else refuted that and called it a 454 Castle. Castle. But I guess it doesn't matter. It's a big gun. You wouldn't want it pointed in your face. Right, and Saul is using, Jimmy, is using the same tactics as he was in the first um, episode with his kind of cheesy tactics of, oh, I'm sure these mop head idiots, let me guess what happened. It was a minor fender bender, and he's using that kind of negotiation skills with Tuco, and Tuco's not having it. I like how Saul speaks his thoughts out loud like they're just escaping from his head. He's like, I I don't know if I should look you in the eyes or not. Right. You know, he's thinking that, but I don't know if he should be saying it. (laughs) Hey, did you notice, Kelly, that Tuco's wearing that cartel necklace that they tore off the neck of Don Eladio? I did, and he had it on uh, before uh, in the other, in Breaking Bad, because I did a fun fact that that thing's so heavy that it smacked him in his teeth. Do you think that's a a one-of-a-kind, or do you think there's a set of them that the cartel guys wore? No, because he had him on when uh, he was in the uh, yeah, the rec yard with Walt and Jesse. Right, but did was that the only one necklace, or did did he have one and Don Ladio had one, and kind of the big shots leaders in the cartel had them? I don't know. I didn't notice who else had one. Well, Don Ladio was wearing it when they t- tore it off his neck. Oh, he was wearing the big. Oh, I didn't know that was the same necklace. Well, I'm asking if it is. Because remember when he went in the water, Mike tore it off his neck, and then they gave it to uh, Gus, gave it back to Tio in the old folks' home to show, to prove that they had wiped out Don Eladio. 
Oh, I see. Yeah. Okay. Right. I get it. Yeah. That, I would imagine that would be the same one. I, I just said we wouldn't do spoilers. Here we are spoiling That's away. But hard. sorry if you haven't seen Breaking Bad. <laughs> go, uh, <laughs> go watch uh, Black Blacklist or something. Uh, <laughs> but that looked like the same necklace, whether it was a duplicate or the very same one. But um, Saul's trying to talk his way out of this mess. It, he gives it a pretty good try on the first try, Kelly, but not the greatest results. He gets hustled down into that basement. Right. I like how, I like how he tried to save the twins, though. He's got he's got a good side to him, and he's not totally criminal yet. He's not he's not a traitor, right? He's really trying to help these twins, even though he's in trouble too. He is, and he tries this twice, as we'll see later on in the episode. But definitely, he is. Uh... Kind of like Walter White hadn't transformed. He hasn't transformed into Saul and the the guy that's kind of got his uh, his feelings put to the side. He's really a very caring person right now in this in this series. Tuco's pretty impressed. He just says, "Wow, uh, you got a mouth on you," or something like that. Um, but he takes Saul down there, and they cut the twins loose. And they immediately throw Saul under the bus. <laughs> They're the exact opposite of Saul. And Tuco comes out with a "you punkin' me" line that he came out with when the uh, the ricin was going into those burritos in that desert shack. Right, exactly. Punkin' me, you punkin' my abuelita. <laughs> and uh, the twins say. They're going to get two grand for going after your grandma. So they're really throwing Saul in a, a tight spot here. And they all, the whole crew ends out out in the desert. Not, nothing good happens out in the desert, Kelly. Nothing good happens out in the desert. You are correct about that. And uh, I have to mention that I did a, a small interview with Jesus Jr., who plays Gonzo, the good-looking big guy that's kind of off to the back. Uh, and I asked him he, if he could give me any type of inside fun fact about what was going on on the set. Uh, and he had told me that they had a snake wrangler out there. Um, and that Nacho, who is played by... Michael his, Mando. Michael Mando, yep. He's a Canadian actor. Uh, he's afraid of snakes. So I guess they were out there hissing and making, pretending that there were snakes out there and Vince Gilligan was having a good laugh with that. Um, but I guess Bob Odenkirk, which we'll see in a second here that he, he gets punched by Tuco. He had to be down on his knees over and over, uh, was a total trooper. So just a little kind of inside fun fact from Jesus Jr. Who hopefully will be joining the podcast as a special guest here in the next couple weeks. So is, is Nodos the skinny guy or the big guy? Nodos is a skinny guy, and Gonzo is the big guy. But in the in, in Breaking Bad, uh, originally Gonzo played uh, the other kid, uh, but they rid him of that character and had him play Gonzo. So it's a little confusing. But yeah, Gonzo is Jesus Jr., and he plays the kind of the silent big guy in the back, the enforcer. So we we um we tried to remember some names from the way long ago time when Saul was in the desert with in Breaking Bad with Jesse and Walt, but they weren't these names. So I don't think this was something that Saul's remembering when he's in Breaking Bad in that scene. Actually, I found out something about that. Um, I was going to bring that up a little bit later, but since we're on it right now, um, Nacho Larga is the name of, uh, and I think that what's that Tuco's cousin. 
What relation is he to Tuco? Nacho, I don't know. Okay, well, anyway, um, Nacho, that is a um, nickname for Ignacio. Okay. So I went back to Better Call Saul, the actual episode in Breaking Bad, and watched it just a few minutes ago, and he yells, it wasn't me, it was Ignacio. So I I want to go down on record here that I do think that that's the same guy. Yeah, they do say it was Ignacio's fault. And he also mentions somebody named Lalo or Lalo. Oh, right. And I don't know who that is, but I definitely... 100% believe that they have um, brought that full circle and we'll find out what that was all about. So do you know the, do you know all the relationships between Tuco, Gonzo, No Doze, and Nacho? One of them's a brother-in-law of Tuco, right? I know that um, <laughs> what are their names? Gonzo, the other one. What was his name? No Doze, Gonzo, and no. Nacho. Yeah, No Doze is first lieutenant. And then Gonzo is the enforcer, and I do not know who Nacho, how he's related. But he kind of looks like Tuco. But you don't know if the, the real family relations, relationships are? No, I haven't been able to find any information out on that yet. I don't know if that's been said. I don't think it's really important, but we'll probably, we'll probably hear about it. Saul explains the scam, and the toolbox comes out, Kelly. <laughs> The finger-chopping toolbox. Tuco thinks right away that there's some kind of law officer. These, these group of three clowns are law officers of some kind. And Saul does knock on the door when, way back when he first came back to Tuco's grandmother's house. He's an officer of the law, which may not have been the brightest thing. But um, Saul tries to tell the truth, and they're not buying it. So he creates this lie about being Special Agent Jeffrey Steele. What do you think the strategy was there? I'm not sure. I, I maybe that they he thought if he was some sort of law enforcement, they'd be more intimidated on killing him. That's all I could think. I guess just pure panic. What do you do? I mean, like Nacho says, he had the you had your um, what was it that he had uh, the box cutter or the what was it that he had up against him? Was that I don't know tools? Oh, like the tin snips. Yeah, he said he would have said anything when they were debating on if he was lying. But he, they, he says, hey, look in my pocket, which is another reference to Breaking Bad when they kidnapped him out in the desert and he has uh, Walt and Jesse put a dollar in his pocket to represent him. Yeah, because his hands were tied. Right. I actually thought it was kind of smart by Saul because if he was an officer of the law, like if, if he was a DEA agent or something, people would know he was out there. He would be kind of connected in so they couldn't just really kill him. I don't know. It seemed like it was kind of smart, but he goes back to telling the truth again. And I think the reason for all this is we see that this guy Nacho is really the all the all the candle power, all the brain power is on Nacho, not on Tuco, and certainly not these other two dopes that are with Tuco. Nacho Nacho seems like he's the leader. Yeah, I like Nacho. I like his calm demeanor, and I like the way that he thinks. Uh, I mean, I'm sure that he's going to end up being an evil character, but I thought he had a really good head on him. He unravels the lie pretty fast. Like, well, what do we, if you know what we're doing, what do we sell? What kind of drugs? He gets right to the point on Saul. And uh, Saul tries to say it's Operation Kingbreaker. 
which was also kind of smart because Tuco jumps right on that. Like, that makes me the king. Like, his, his ego is, you know, kind of Walter White-ish here. He's like, he's like kind of a sucker to his own ego. Right. But Nacho ultimately cracks through to the truth and Saul just tells the truth, tells it all. I guess the, the matchbooks, matchbook cover in his jacket matching with his story kind of convinces Nacho that that's the real truth. Mm-hmm. So Nacho has to go back to Tuco and tell him killing a lawyer for no reason is just bad business. And I don't know. I just kind of thought Nacho was in charge. It seems like it. Uh, it was either him or Tuco or they're something. They're maybe the same level. But I do like how um, they were talking about breaking the twins' legs and that guy. What is his name again? Oh. Noda. I can't think, I keep forgetting the name. Nodos uh, says, hey man, they already have a broken leg, fool. And Tuco says, stop helping. And it explains a lot on why, and it's a spoiler alert, but why Nodos gets a beat down in Breaking Bad. Yeah, you should have known by then not to speak up. <laughs> yeah, so it makes a lot more sense why Tuco lost his shit on him in Breaking Bad. You get the feeling this happens every other day with these guys and Tuco. Right. You know, Tuco, somebody's, somebody's breathed the wrong way and Tuco jumps on him. Mm-hmm. All right, so Saul's ready to, they're cutting him loose. Like, there's your car, dude. Get out, go ahead, get out of here. But he still wants to help these shag twins, which is pretty admirable of him. And he does some pretty good lawyering up here, Kelly. He, he talks them, pretty much talks their uh, captives, Tuco and Nacho and these other guys, talks them out of killing these guys. And they only end up with one broken bone each, which is pretty good negotiation, I think. I think so, too. And, and I like how he says, oh, we're talking about breaking. You're going the wrong direction. And I thought that was kind of a cute little play on uh, if they were trying to tell us something with, with Breaking Bad. Um, but there was a yellow box cutter uh, that one of them had in their hand that somebody pointed out on my on my. Uh, fun facts page that it was a yellow box cutter i went back so we've got another box cutter being used which can never be good well Saul really reads tuco really well just like a good lawyer would do right in the courtroom find find somebody find their weakness and their strength and play up to one and play it force your way into the other really under the pressure of death here he's really a pretty good lawyer a pretty good playing player of personalities he works tuco pretty well here makes him feel like he's in charge it was great. I just think this this really boosted Saul's ego and his esteem, and he really kind of got it back together from the scene out in the desert. Yeah, I liked how he had the chance to leave. They were going to let him go, but he couldn't leave those kids out there. And he, he focuses in on family, which is very important to Tuco, and starts the whole dialogue about the mother and the mother before her, and she's widowed and, and got Tuco to back down. So we're going to see some snap, crackle, and pop here. Some hell yeah. Kelly, do you watch the show The Americans? No, I don't. They had to put a body in a suitcase. This body was already dead, but they had to fold the body and crack the bones. It was like brutal. Listening listening to it was worse worse than watching it, but we got a little bit of that here. The sound was bad. Was it worse for the second twin or the first twin, do you think? Second. Yeah, just waiting for his turn. Yeah, Uh, and he... Look it, just like he did uh, in Breaking Bad when he smashed down Nodos. He pulls up his bloody knuckles. Yep, he's proud of his work, that Tuco. Yep. 
So Saul takes these guys to the emergency room, and he, and he does say, I'm the best lawyer ever. And this is his shining moment. This is his pivotal moment to realize, man, I could be back in the game here. He's got skills under pressure. But he's, uh, he has some trouble on a date. Now, do you think this was a date or a girl at the bar that he just kind of crossed paths with? Uh, I would think that it was probably a date. Uh, and that lady, her name is Jamie Lunar. She looks so familiar to me. I had to look her up. And she's from All My Children in Melrose Place, if anybody remembers her from that. But I have been dying to find out what kind of guy, or guy, what kind of lady he would date since he thought Francesca was such a hottie. Um, she was the perfect lady, in my opinion, with the low-cut shirt, kind of a little older, sort of cheesy. So she's exactly who I imagined. Yeah, I could see Saul picking her up at the bar. I'm not sure that was a date. They didn't really make it that clear. Either way, Saul's got some game, too, with these girls at the with this girl at the bar. He's talking to her pretty convincingly, I think. Right, until she starts breaking her breadsticks. She does, or the guy. Was it she doing it, or the guy down the, uh, at the other side of the room? It was her, I believe, yeah. Yeah, okay. That really yeah. derails him. That's uh, enough <laughs> to make him rush off and lose his marbles in the bathroom. It derailed me. I mean, it just looked like cracking bones. Well, that was such a great piece of photography to make it look so close up like that in slow motion and the sound. Right. Pretty and sickening. that's Michelle McLaren for you. She's... She does a lot of that, so it's funny. I can start telling who's directing what now just by uh, the way that they do it. Yeah, and Kelly Dixon, too. Is Kelly editing all of these episodes? No, I think actually Skip McDonald did this one. Okay. Well, the the crew, the Breaking Bad crew is, you know, just they work so well together. Oh, and you know, uh, speaking of Kelly Dixon, she, I uh, Facebooked her and asked her um, about the Wantabo, uh the fun fact I was talking about yesterday between um, how the twins were talking about Wantabo, and then I brought that around to where Jesse and Walt, where Gail Bedecker lives on Wantabo. Right. Uh, and I guess that I'm reaching a little bit because Wantabo is a really long main street. So there was, not that I thought there was a connection, but that's not too uncommon that things would be on Wantabo Street. So she told you that through Facebook? <laughs> yeah. We should yep. get her on here. Try to get her on here. Oh, my God. That would be my dream. We'll see. Just do it. I'll try. All right. Chuck is running his routine at this crazy, uh, at his house with the electromagnetism. He's ironing with an old-fashioned iron. I don't know how he heated it. Would he that, heat that thing up in the fireplace or something? I don't know. Just a a hot piece of metal to iron his shirt. And Saul comes in. He's pretty exhausted. But Chuck takes care of him now. So these brothers have a pretty good, loving relationship. They take care of each other. They really do. I love that he has a brother. I love how much we're finding out about Saul Goodman or Jimmy McGill. Um, And I think these brothers are adorable. But Saul forgot his phone and his drunken stumbling. He comes in with his phone. And uh, Chuck finds it and chucks it. He's really sick. He's really kind of insane, I think. Right. He's in a space blanket. (laughs) Yeah. And he sees the hospital bill. So does does that imply that Saul's taking on the hospital bill for the twins' broken legs? Yes, I would imagine so. Uh, And what I find really interesting is how his brother 
uh, is looking at him and, and Jimmy McGill starts to say, I'm not slipping Jimmy. I'm not that guy. I know you're seeing this hospital bill and you're assuming broken legs, but I'm not him anymore. So uh, I guess he must have been, that's probably how he was on to those twins and their game so quick because it looks like he used to do it. It's pretty funny how all the connections in these first couple episodes are getting made by mistakes. Mm-hmm. Like the mistaken car and then the twins kind of blurt out that they're, that Saul put a hit on your grandma or put the scam on your grandma, Tuco, to make $2,000. Like they didn't really know what the scam was. So Tuco believes that. Now he's all connected up with Tuco. And then we're going to see Nacho coming in later to because he found out about the real reason Saul wanted to do the scam. I and mean, it's all so funny how these mistakes all kind of add up to the plot. Right. Great writing. Absolutely. Great. They had to think this all out and sketch it all out, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. All right. So Saul gets his phone, I guess, and um, goes to the courtroom and he sees that he's different. He's, uh, he's wooing that clerk with the little fuzzy stuffed animal. You think that was for checks or for cases? I think that was for cases, and I absolutely love how he said, she says, what do you want? And he said, not to starve to death. And the way that he says it, and he's, and I don't know if you've noticed, but he is really animated with his facial expressions more than I ever noticed when he was playing Saul Goodman in Breaking Bad. I mean, his, his acting is just on point. He knows how to appeal to people, right? He appealed to Tuco when he needed to. Now he needs to kind of woo this clerk, and he knows how to do that. The perfect skills for a lawyer. Right. So he psychs himself up in his bathroom slash locker room, and he's changed, man. He's, it's showtime. He, uh, he coaches his clientele. He's loaning him his belt. He's hammering that prosecutor down day after day. I think he's really back in the game. Even the music was kind of a clue to this this hopeful jaunty music in the background right he's still got his woes with mike though the parking lot attendant mike ermintrout but i kept, i almost thought that he was befriending him at one point what did you think about that well really quickly that when he says it's showtime and he said it's from a movie i looked in it and it's uh from a movie called all that jazz uh but apparently they say it's showtime do you think he's uh, making friends with Mike, or do you think he's because he looks like he's talking to him a little bit more? Uh, I I think that maybe Mike's tough exterior is starting to fall, but he did bust his balls about this sticker every single time, and it gets actually pretty hilarious when you see him when he says, "Like a troll under a bridge, you must have your stickers, or you won't pass." Troll alert! Don't feed it. He's making fun of him. Um, but no, I mean, Mike might be feeling a little sorry for him, but I don't, you know. Well, why can't Saul figure this stupid validation thing out? It's like every time. Yeah, well, I think he keeps thinking he's going to charm him like he's been charming everybody else. And he said, hey, I have five 90-minute stickers here, so that should add up to letting me get out of here. Uh, but apparently Mike is very by the book, as we've seen in, in previous like Mike's the only one he's not winning over with his lawyer charm. Plus, I don't. I mean, I don't know how much experience you have with parking lot attendants, but they are like that. They just won't give you a break. He even woos over that final prosecutor by giving him the Fritos. That was that was pretty. I think that was the symbol that Saul was really back. He's able to win everybody over. Petty with a prior. His Petty game is up. 
Teddy with a prior. That's what that guy kept saying. Yeah, not even a not even any conversation. It was just that's it. That's the bottom line. <laughs> yeah. But um, Kelly, something goes wrong. What what the coffee cup spill? What was that clue that went over my head? Um. Well, first of all, I like the point of view shot. The POV shot's awesome in that. Um, but I'm not sure what that was supposed to symbolize. I guess things are going to take a turn because, as we see, he gets a ominous visitor. Yeah, I heard a I heard something in one of the forums that uh, Crazy Eight was in one of one of the uh, parts of the scene. Did you recognize him, or did you notice that? What part of the scene in the in during the court proceeding? Yeah, he was in one of the courtroom. He was one of the clients at the end of the all the montage of people that were the defendants. He was one of Jimmy's last clients. I don't see him. Mm-mm. I don't know that. I didn't catch it. I don't remember seeing it. I I just read it somewhere in a forum. I've been in hit fix. But yeah, so Jimmy goes back to his office. He's had a rough day, a rough night and day, and he's ready to crash a little bit. Uh, his phone messages are still empty, but we see that his office is also his bedroom. He can turn it into a comfy little place to crash. But he gets a visitor. He has to undo his sets his bed all up, and he has to undo it one minute later. And it's Nacho. <laughs> what was that? I have those Target cups that he was drinking out of. Like he's drinking out of plastic cups. He's got a, a rollaway bed. Uh, things are just pretty sad for poor Jimmy McGill. Do you have a cucumber tank of water in your house? No, I don't. <laughs> I should get one. <laughs> yeah, so he has to undo his bed and uh, and accept his visitor, and it's Nacho. Nacho wants in on that 1.6 mil. Uh, ripping off thieves is good business. That's kind of smart. They can't report it because they're they've gotten that money from illegal measures anyway. And he's going to pay Saul 100k, about 10 percent, for telling him where they are. And uh, Saul declines, or Jimmy declines. He doesn't want to uh, do it, but uh, Nacho reminds him that I got between you and Tuco, and uh, writes down his phone number for a way for him to reach him. Kind of like that pen scene with the with the um, guy who embezzled the money, wasn't it? A little bit, right? And and Jimmy is trying to hold on to his soul right now. And I like the way that he says, "I'm a lawyer, not a criminal." Not yet. Right, right. So he's still holding. He's still trying to save the kids. He's still trying to be a nice guy. And uh, this Michael Mando, who plays Nachos, uh, he was in Orphan Black. I don't know if you saw that movie or not. Um, but him and Bob Odenkirk really hit it off, and actually he introduced um, Michael into hiking. They used to go hiking together during some of the off time. So just a little tidbit of information on them. So next week, episode three is Nacho. Do you know anything about that, Kelly, or do you have any spoilers? Not a thing. I don't either. That we So we don't really need to mask anything or make a defining line in this podcast episode. So mm-hmm. if you want to write to us or reach us, you can find the website at West Coast Project and Better Call Saul is the feed for the podcast. My Twitter handle is at Scathing Tweets. And Kelly, what's yours? It's BRBA underscore fun facts. And what about all the Breaking, Breaking Bad and Better Call Saul fun facts sites? I have uh, Breaking Bad Fun Facts and Better Call Saul Fun Facts on Instagram and Facebook. So are you finding your fun facts now, like, 
after the episodes. It's harder now because you don't have all this stuff documented everywhere. Right. I usually have to watch the episode and then and then look and find some stuff. But still, uh, a lot of interesting things ahead. So everybody, just keep keep listening and keep checking our pages and. We got a lot of good stuff for you. All right, Kelly, I'll see you next Wednesday on Nacho. All right, sounds good. Okay, bye. Bye.